1: Hello, so today
0: I have a wonderful conversation with for you with Stephanie Orr. Steph is a screen printer and the founder of Flat 102 and co-founder of the Indie Collective. Steph created Flat 102 to bring a colourful and uplifting dose of cheerfulness for your home. And the Indie Collective was founded to support local designers and makers and give them an opportunity to be seen on the high street. So I had a great um, conversation with Steph um so flat 102 is Steph's product business and she creates screen printed products I actually didn't know what screen printing was um, after talking with Steph I'm actually really tempted to give it a go it sounds amazing um, and really accessible as well and we also talked a lot about the indie collective and um, particularly about some pop-up shops and events that um the indie collective ran since 2020 um, they're not sure yet about their plans for this year but please do follow Steph and the indie collective if you're Interested in finding out if they're going to be running any pop up events um, this year because I know that's certainly something they're hoping for. Um, so, we had loads to talk about from Steph's own creative products business to the work she does with Indie Collective to help promote other retail businesses and products businesses, I should say, and get them into retail spaces. So, really hope you enjoy this conversation and I'd love to introduce you now to Steph. So, hi, Steph. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Hi, thank you for having me. You're
0: welcome. Can we please start by you giving an introduction to yourself, your business and what you make and sell, please?
1: Sure. Um, I'm Steph. Um, I run Flat 102, which is an online shop uh, where I sell my screen printed um, products, mainly prints, wooden wall hangings um, and cards. Um, and I also run workshops where I teach people to screen print as well and then alongside that I also um, am a co-founder of the Indico.
0: Oh amazing thank you and we're going to talk about all of these things in more detail Um, but I think a really good place to start would be screen printing if that's okay. Can you explain to us what screen printing is and, and how you got started with it please?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so I'll start with how I got into it. So I was working um, at Disney at the time when I discovered the screen printing. I um, had a corporate role. It was quite a creative role. It was in marketing, um, but I was just really missing doing stuff with my hands and being creative and having a tangible product at the end of it. Um, and yeah created something that was purely for me so I, I did a dressmaking course and various other things dipped my fingers into different creative bits and bobs um and then I did a an evening course on screen printing it was just two hours really simple screen printing with a paper um stencil and I absolutely fell in love with it um started making a few bits and bobs here and there for friends and family as presents um and then after I had my son, I decided not to go back to Disney. We'd moved out of London. It was just a long commute. It just We just couldn't make it work, really. Um, so I decided to pop some bits on Etsy and give them a go. And they started selling, which was great. Um, and then it's just grown from there, really. Some um, fairs and all sorts of bits and bobs now, which is fair, But it's great. I can work it around the kids, around school and things. Um, and then screen printing in terms of what it actually is, it's a pretty basic um art form. You have a screen um, that back when screen printing started, because you a lot of people know it, it's silk screen. Um, you get a, a metal screen or a wooden screen that has lots of fibres across. It used to be silks across, it's now nylon. Um, and you basically create a stencil either um from paper or vinyl or using an exposure unit where you have a permanent stencil on there and then using a squeegee um, which is a lot like the squeegees you to clean your shower and things um, you pull ink across the screen and it goes through where the stencils open and then you have your print so you lift up your screen and you can see what you've done and that's I think that's the magical bit when you lift up that screen you get that moment of like oh my gosh I made that
0: wow oh that's amazing and yeah it literally is what it sounds then and I guess oh that's that's really interesting and I guess you can screen print all sorts of things then can you because am I right in thinking that you can screen print clothes I think I've heard of people yep. doing t-shirts before
1: yeah. yeah so most um most people print onto um onto paper or uh, material so yeah clothing bedding um lots of um more that are high-end manufacturers for bedding and things will screen print on and they'll have huge screens and do it by machine where they screen print onto duvets and sheets and things um you can screen so you can do your wallpaper you can do everything but yeah you can also print onto wood um I've seen people doing it directly onto their walls as well which oh, is wow. quite cool. so yeah it's a really versatile medium to to play with oh
0: excellent and how like, what did it take for you to get started? I mean, is it a case of just buying the screen and some ink and off you go, or is yeah there pretty a much bit more yeah. That?
1: yeah, it's a really um accessible craft or art form um it's you yeah, you can literally do it on your table um you need a screen and some inks and a squeegee, and that's it, and because you can print making paper stencils, you can literally cut your um cut your stencils out at home. Um so yeah, I started off like that, then invested in some, I say invested, I mean I think they were like 10 pounds, so it wasn't a big investment, in some clamps to hold the screen. because it's quite hard to hold the screen down whilst you're pulling your squeegee. So I can now clamp it in. Um and the inks that I tend to use are water-based ones. Um so I can I just clean them in the kitchen sink. because I don't need any specialist equipment or chemicals to clean those away, which is great. Um, so yeah, it's a really easy one to start at home without any real specialist equipment at all
0: yeah is it, I mean so you did that two-hour workshop and was that a sort of it after that did you sort of go away and just
1: yeah do it yourself yeah lots of YouTube watching lots of trial and error but lots of frustration with them um, I went through a phase where all of, everything I printed had bubbles in it and I couldn't work out it was driving me mad I was ready to throw the towel in completely <laughs> um and then realized it's because I kept all my inks in the garage and they don't like getting cold that was it (laughs) so once I put them somewhere warm the bubbles were gone um yeah it's it's a fun one and because it isn't expensive to to start you can play quite easily it doesn't matter if you make loads of mistakes to start with it's quite fun to to play around with
0: yeah, and it does actually sound really, sounds, sound really good fun, actually. I'm, I'm actually getting a little bit inspired by listening <laughs> to this. It's quite a bit. I'm um, <laughs> not sure if I'm creative. I always say that, though, but I shouldn't put myself down like that. So where, where do you get the idea from your design? Did you ha- have a design background?
1: No, not at all. My dad's an artist. Um, and I think having someone in your family who is incredibly artistic, I had always said I wasn't creative at all because I couldn't draw. And I think, especially at school, you if you can't draw, you don't do art and therefore you're not creative. And it's that, you know, simple. If you're not doing an art GCSE, it's time to move on. Um, Whereas I think having with the screen printing, it made me realise you don't necessarily you don't need to be able to draw to be creative. You can be creative in so many ways. And I think that little quarter life crisis I had at Disney where I was going off and trying my hand at all these different creative pursuits was actually that creative side that I have inherited from my dad coming out and just trying to find its own place and figuring out where where my creative side could be if I if I am not necessarily the best drawer in the world um so I think from from that a lot of my designs are um are words based so a lot of typography um especially now I've had the kids I've really realized how your surroundings affect you so I love having like positive phrases and you know reminders for them um one of my most popular selling pieces is a plaque that just says you're awesome on and I think those things you know kids are bombarded with so much at the moment that just having something there that they're reading you know probably daily sometimes or not even paying attention to anymore but subconsciously reminding them how great they are um and same you with, know, I've got a, a calls behind print and things like that. It's, it's um, yeah, I, I think my things, I just like them to be quite positive, lots of bright colours. I love neon pink, a lot of neon pink. Um, yeah, and then as I've got my confidence with those, I have started doing more, you know, more traditionally creative things um, in terms of, you know, drawings and things. I'm I'm looking at that side of, the business more um I'm trying to get a bit bit braver in putting putting some designs out there and I've also got a collaboration with my dad coming up which is so exciting that's really exciting yeah he's um uh I am a massive shopaholic um and I love Selfridges, Liberties, all of those guys and he has um done beautiful line drawings at the front of Selfridges, Liberties, Harrods and Harvey Nichols um so I'm going to screen print a colored background and then we're going to print his designs on the top which Oh wow! Is really yeah it's so nice to be able to we did um my sister's wedding invites that he drew and designed and then I printed them so yeah it's nice to do another collaboration that's really nice
0: yeah yeah that's lovely and I guess what's really fun is because you were talking about being brave and trying new things I guess that now you are established and you know what sells. You can try other designs and other things and just sort of see if people buy them great. Well, obviously, it's not great if they don't buy them. But I mean, what I mean is it's a good way, isn't it, of because you have a customer base already, it's a good way of testing out will people buy different things or do they come to you just for, you know, the one thing. I think that's really good. And it's, yeah, and I guess it keeps it fun and interesting as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because I think I've got you, like I said, I've got my established bestsellers that I know do well and you know it's great um yeah I think it's good to keep it fresh and you know
0: yeah definitely and so when you're talking about being at Disney you were talking about missing doing something with your hands had you done something creative or sold anything prior to starting this business or was it more that you were just missing having like a creative outlet?
1: I ha- I'd had an Etsy shop for a little while where I'd tried a few different things. Um, I'd made some cushions that I'd embroidered. Um, well, I have? made some bracelets, like beaded bracelets, um, some earrings, candles. So I think I was literally just throwing my neck Yeah. What? what stuck. Um, yeah, and I did that all the time. In my little flat in London which was flat was a was a flat 102 which is where the name came from because I think coming up with the name sometimes is the hardest thing <laughs> of what, yeah, everything um I think so so when I set my my Etsy shop up I was just like oh I'm sat in my flat it's flat 102 let's give it a go and it's that's stuck and it's actually been nice cause it links it back to where it all all started
0: yes yeah, so it sounds like you were on you've been on Etsy for quite a while now then
1: Yeah yeah I have I think I oh gosh when would it have been I think it would have been a few years before I had Max and he was in he was born in 2014 so yeah it's probably coming up to 10 years or so but I wasn't like I said it was dabbling and it was like a some candles and then some earrings and then some cushions there wasn't it wasn't consistent
0: yes it wasn't really a, a brand as such no but other than that I mean what because I'm just I'm quite curious other than that what changes have you seen on Etsy over that time because I'm assuming it's moved on quite a lot in 10 years because 10 years ago it was relatively new I think yeah
1: yeah I think the biggest change is how many people in the UK now know about it I think the the traffic is is huge um this you know which is great and there's been a lot of great changes I think they invested a lot of money into um, marketing into seller development um, into their community Um, but then alongside that with the growth in traffic then unfortunately you get a lot of you know sellers who are buying in cheap from China and selling it on and whereas before it used to be so handmade it's not anymore I think and it's hard as a as a seller to sell you sell you know sell what i do at a price that i can make a living on and is what i feel my my products are worth when you've got people when you search the same thing and you've got prints that are coming up for like 2 pounds you're know, like how do you compete with that but on the other hand i think the majority of etsy sellers seem to be quite um aware of that and i'm willing to pay for the handmade element, um, which is fab, because I think that can be off-putting. If you're starting out and you see people on there selling things, selling what you make for so much cheaper, you're like, well, how can I make that work? Whereas actually I think people are quite discerning and and are looking for quality, not just the cheapest thing they can find.
0: I think so. I mean, I shop on Etsy all the time because I want to support small businesses and I want to buy handmade products where possible. And I think that I really make a point of trying to just, trying to be quite I'm trying to think about where discerning really um, because I think you can tell whether it's an original product that someone's made not always but a lot of the time you can tell if it's something original someone's made or if it is something they've brought in from China for example because you might see the same I've something I've seen quite a lot is the same product you know listed by five people and you think yeah. well you didn't all make that I mean you don't know if any of them did but you know yeah. for sure that not all of them have handmade that you'd, you'd assume identical um and I think you're right probably that people that are buying on Etsy hopefully I do think you're right I think the majority probably are quite discerning in that way and they're not going for the cheapest thing because let's face it if you wanted a cheap print I don't think Etsy would be where you'd go necessarily you'd probably go to eBay or Amazon or yeah some you know or somewhere different I think if you're looking for something special and unique and handmade um, you're, pre- you know, you know you're going to pay a little bit more, and you're prepared to do yeah. that.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: And I wasn't going to talk about Etsy in great detail, but one other question I do have, if you don't mind, is um, obviously because you've been selling on there a, a long time, and at first it sounds mm-hmm. like you were, you know, putting up listings and hoping things sold, whereas now you've got a store and a brand and a range. Um, what thing? What? What's your best advice to someone who wants to sell on Etsy now? And what things are you doing now that you just weren't doing? Back in the early days when you were just I I think trying it out.
1: The key thing on Etsy is it's 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 basically a search engine at the end of the day. So getting your keywords right, so making sure firstly you know who your audience is, so you know what they're going to be searching for, then really think about your product and the different ways you might describe it. So, you know, my my wooden plaques, someone else might call it a pennant or a wall hanging. So making sure that all of those terms are in your title in your description and in your tags as well um, and I think the key thing as well is making sure you've got really good photography it doesn't need to be professional you don't have to pay out for professional photography but making sure that you're really selling your product it's not you know bad lighting you know wonky and you know really show your product off to the best your ability show it on its own show it in a setting as well so showing it you know if it's a print for a kid's room, try and get some pictures in a kid's room or make you know mock up if you've got a room mock it up that looks a bit like a kid's room i think that's the the key things is you know there are hundreds and thousands of sellers on there is making sure you stand out and that you come up as high as possible in the search rankings
0: Thank you, and so I, I was going to talk a little bit about how it evolved from a hobby into a business, um, but it sounds like you already sort of had a business, and so it feels a bit like your business and your hobby merged. If that made sense, yeah, definitely. Sound fair?
1: Yeah, I don't. I'm not sure I ever intended it to be a business. Um, it definitely was just something I was doing alongside being at home. With Max and for a long time I you know I said I was a stay-at-home mum Um even when I was doing what I was doing as well and I think once it I flipped that in my mind to that it is a business then it it started taking off more I started taking it more seriously um, you know even doing silly things like tax returns and things you're doing those and all of a sudden you're like oh gosh you know i might not be making millions but i am making some money here and it's a, a good thing and i yeah, you that know, i can do that flexibly along being a stay-at-home mum you know might be working whilst i'm at home with them but you know i can i can do that along alongside it but yeah it definitely was an evolution i don't think i sat down and was like right this is this is what i'm gonna do um i'm getting a bit more like that now now that both the kids are at school and got a bit more time I can I'm trying to plan a bit more rather than it just being reactionary in terms of products and things thinking about right when when, thinking about Mother's Day and Easter and getting products ready in time for them but yeah it's all been a a learning curve
0: (laughs) out of interest if you don't mind me asking this because I'm I'm, I'm genuinely curious about what you said are you was it like you started to do well and then saw it as a business or you started to see it as a business and then started to and then the business started to improve does that make sense yeah um I'm I'm just genuinely curious I hope you don't mind me asking
1: no not at all I think the minute I saw it could be a business um was when i first started putting my products into shops and i didn't do um wholesale until re- quite recently um but i was part of um the mama Hood pop-up shop um i think it, that one was in was in Dalek or clapham anyway in in london somewhere south london somewhere um and they were emailing me every week saying oh we sold out we need more products and i was like oh I haven't got any. I better make some. Um, and I think that took me by surprise. Cause whilst Etsy was great and I'd ha- got my own website by then, and I was getting a steady trickle of orders. It was a trickle. It wasn't, you know, I wasn't having to print every day. I wasn't having, you know, it was the audit order here and there. Um, whereas yeah, once I was in the shop and I was like, actually, if I put a bit of thought and time behind this then you know I can turn that trickle into something a bit more consistent um so I think that was the moment for me was when it started making really good money in the shop um which I shouldn't have you know, maybe shouldn't have been so surprised about <laughs> should have had a bit more belief but it was a really lovely surprise it was amazing
0: I can definitely see your products would sell really well. I mean, I can see that they'd sell online, but I can definitely see they'd sell well in shops because they're so, like, visually, like, captivating. They're just mm. really bright and, yeah, I can see that they'd they really stand out in, in a shop. I can definitely see that. So I'm not surprised at all that they were selling really well. <laughs> um, so you mentioned that you did that pop-up. Did you, and you've only started wholesaling recently, so have you been involved in other pop-ups in the...
1: Uh, i have i also um have still got my stuff in um a pop-up shop well i think it's more of a permanent shop it started off as a pop-up shop um in whitney near oxford um the shop in whitney it's called or shop at whitney um which is a really lovely shop as well full of small um local makers um and then i've also ran my own pop-up shop um, oh wow with part of the, with the indie collective which part of my the other business that I co, co-run co with my my friends
0: oh we'll definitely talk about the indie collective in in a moment actually because I really wanted to, to, to go into that as well um, and, and the reason for asking really is I feel like pop-up shops can be a really nice way maybe to test out whether your products would selling in a shop I think particularly uh, in my mind I'm thinking if someone was a bit unsure about wholesale and you know will my products sell I'm thinking maybe a pop-up shop is a nice option yeah, for, for testing it out maybe
1: yeah absolutely I think it's a real I think the the only thing with pop-up shops is most of them run on a sale or return basis so you're not getting the money up front um, and there's a commission element to it which is often quite a lot less than you would look you know necessarily on um wholesale um but i think it, it's definitely a lot less scary than um you know looking for for um wholesale uh premises because i think with wholesale i don't know i always felt a bit responsible like if it doesn't if it doesn't sell then i feel bad that they're left with stock they can't get rid of um Whereas I think after having done the pop up shops and seeing my stock sold well, I was much more confident than going out to to um, other shops and saying, these are my best sellers. I know they sell well. You know, your audience is similar to the shops I'm already in. Um, and I think they do really well for you. So it just yeah, it gave me that confident bo- conf- confidence boost of um, being able to say I know they sell.
0: Yeah I think it's a nice bit of validation isn't it that mm-hmm. as you say that you, you know they've been in shops in front of people and they've sold because it is a bit different buying in person and yeah. buying online um, I think I don't yeah I don't know what I think it depends on the product as some products definitely so yeah I think it's really good because I'm all about sort of testing things out and not necessarily going you know all the way in on everything because you can't yeah I think for like pop-up shops or even like a stall somewhere it's yeah, just a really nice way yeah, and, just to yeah. see what the feedback is and, how
1: and I always well think with fairs they're great for getting feedback So I guess with a pop-up you're still putting your stock there you're not interacting with a customer whereas with a fair you can even if customers aren't necessarily saying it to you directly you can listen to what they're saying to their friends like oh I like that but I wish it came in turquoise or you know oh that would be lovely for jackson when he's a bit older you you know you start hearing and you can start pinpointing more who your customer is like are they people with older kids younger kids no kids you know where where in their houses and then going back to the etsy thing you can use those things in your descriptions in terms of what you know what you're who you're selling to what they're looking for why they would use it
0: yeah that that's a really good tip actually so yeah I guess if people are saying oh this is you know you hear consistently this is going on my living room wall for example yeah. then you can weave that into your description or your title exactly. yeah that's a that's a really good point and I think that's something that um a lot of us don't do because quite often you write your product description you do look maybe you do lots of keyword research hopefully you do lots of keyword research and you have a really good product description and then it can just sit dormant for months yeah. or years um and yeah revisiting it particularly if you have that kind of feedback I think revisiting it anyway is a good idea but particularly if you have feedback that whether it's terminology or how people are using things I think that makes sense it's yeah. great advice yeah thank thank you for that I think that's a really good tip. <laughs> So let's talk a little bit because I think we're sort of leaning towards that. Let's talk a little bit about the indie collective and what it is, why you founded it and and what you do.
1: Sure. So um I we co-founded the indie collective. So I run it with um Adele and Carly. So they're both small business owners as well. Adele um has Nutmeg um wall art which is like a vinyl stickers and stuff for your home. She also does um commercial um signage as well, so shop fronts and things um and then Carly has got an upcycling business, she does incredible um hand painted clothing, so like jackets with um then whatever pretty much whatever you want on the back of it um and she also has a virtual p a business as well, so between us it's a little bit bonkers and throw in how many five kids and one on the way as well, not mine um, <laughs> but yeah, it's all a bit bonkers but. We came together, um, Etsy do a thing called Etsy Made Local, which are live markets, in-person markets. Um, and we came together to run one of those for Milton Keynes. Um, and we did a few of those. They were really successful. Um, we partnered with our local shopping centre, um, into who um, were really supportive. They um, really... Um, they gave us great space um, to be have a craft fair in a shopping center is like the best thing you can do because you've got so much passing trade that ne- you might not necessarily have ever got into, you know, if you'd had a standalone event. Um, but while we were doing organizing those, we always used to joke about oh, it'd be amazing to have our own shop. One day we'll have our own shop. Um, and then during the first lockdown uh, into contacted us and said, we got a shop that we think might work for you guys if you'd like it to run a pop-up um, in Christmas, at Christmas, so Christmas 2020, um, which we jumped at. Um, it was a really big unit. It was, um, if anyone's Milton Keynes-based, it was the old Pret, um, in into. So big unit, not necessarily a perfect space in terms of it being a, um, a food space rather than a shop space but we made it work um, we got all husbands and boyfriends involved in helping us turn it into this beautiful um haven for small businesses um, so we opened our doors in towards the end of october of 2020 um, we had i think for that pop-up we had about 70 odd small different small businesses um mainly local but we did have some from further afield as well I think our furthest field was Cornwall which was pretty cool um and we ran that through until well until we got put into tier four um which was a shame so we had I think we were open for two weeks then we had a two-week fire break lockdown then open again and then it was tier four um so what should have been I think nearly two and a half months was actually only four weeks in the end but it was amazing um and the response from it locally was incredible it was so busy um so yeah that was our first pop-up and then since then we ran one in May that was only supposed to be six weeks um but it was so successful we kept it running through until the end of last year oh wow um so yeah, from May right through to the end of December, which was um, fantastic. And again, we had, um, gosh, I don't even know the total of the how many must have been hundreds of sellers. But we we do it where you can come in and out, so you don't have to sign up to be in there. We ask that everyone's in there for at least two weeks because I think it gives people time. If you've come in to see something, you want to be able to go away and think about it and come back and buy things. Um, but most people, once they're in there, stay which is fab um yeah so then now we're just working out this year what what our plans are we'd love to do a fair again I think people are ready for fairs now um so we're looking at a few different locations for that we'd love to do some more pop-up shops possibly back in the shopping center or maybe on a high street this Mm -hmm. time um and we really want to develop the community side of it so supporting um small businesses more with things most of them are Etsy sellers because that was our background that's where it started from we were the Etsy Milton Keynes team and we still are um um, you know sharing our knowledge about all the Etsy side of things sharing our knowledge about running small businesses finances all of those bits and bobs I think we worked it out between the three of us we've got 22 years of small business life (laughs) (laughs) which is bonkers when we say it like that but yeah so yeah that's that's the indie collective and it's free to be a part of you know there's no no charges so
0: that's amazing and I will link and read to that in the show notes and amazing. yeah it's really exciting to know when you know what you're doing this year as well um, sure shout about it yeah you do you do to shout everywhere and I'll definitely I can share it all out for you as well because I think um I definitely think people will be interested in being part of it and when you were talking I was thinking wow because I'm really familiar I grew up nearby and I'm really familiar with into well when I was growing up it was called the centre and Milton Keynes um was the market you did was it in the big space outside I think is it it
1: one of the is it the big square anyway no so that so you've got centre mk with John Lewis yeah so we were in the other bit the bit that's got Zara oh the new um, that, bit well
0: I call yeah. it the new bit it's probably not new anymore
1: yeah. but... no, it's just had its 25th birthday <laughs>
0: oh, it's really not new I remember when that opened that's wow that's making me feel so old because I do remember that new bit opening <laughs> that's really funny oh but that's also oh, into that bit oh okay yeah I won't bore everyone with Milton Keynes logistics <laughs> but I still think that is um, and I know where you mean about the prep space as well so yeah. I think that's amazing and didn't give you any help with things like retailing because obviously there's a big difference isn't there between selling online and actually having a physical store um how did you know how you know how to lay it out and what to put in the wind you know I think there's a lot that goes must go into yeah. an we, actual shop
1: um We've, we're really lucky that one of our sellers um danielle who runs um has a paper company beautiful paper goods company um was a merchandiser for paper chase so she gave us a lot of advice and then um carly and adele both have amazing eyes they've you know they can look at a table and be like <laughs> and move things around and all of a sudden it it you look like you want to buy everything on it so i think um yeah those skills all coming together really worked it was great um into a great as well they did give us some advice um I think it was very different for them as well they're used to you know Gap and Zara and Topshop who have you know shops in a box almost they come in they do what they do in every location um so yeah I think we were a bit of a new new uh experience for them as well (laughs) Yeah, well
0: that's good for everyone, isn't it? And you find that such a skill to be able to sort of take things and lay them out in a way that looks really yeah, appealing. it's really not is. a skill that I have. I think that's such a skill and it's amazing you have people to do that. Because I feel like I guess such a lot of the success rests on how attractive a shop looks because if it you know, if you walk past and the window looks uninspiring, yeah, you may just really walk go past. In. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think one of the things we really wanted to do was um a lot sometimes pop-up spaces you can hire like a you could get a shelf and then you go in and you make your shelf look pretty but we wanted it to look like a proper shop almost yeah and not that shops like that aren't proper shops but um we kept, we we were thinking of it like a mini department store um so you would go in and there would be um a kitchenware section so all the sellers that had different kitchenwares would be in that same area And we didn't want to look at it about the sellers competing against each other. It was how we could, how they all complemented. And, you know, yes, there might be two different types of mugs, but you're appealing to very different people. So how do we, you know, style it to, to appeal to those people and make sure we're hitting the right, the right notes for people. Um, So we wanted it to be a, a real shopping experience. And, you know, in our heads, we were thinking, you know, Oliver bonus and anthropology and, you know, those are real experiences when you, when you go into them and that's what we were trying to to recreate in in that you know our
0: little space as well so oh, it's great. It amazing and as I say do let us know when you know what the plans are for this that's year it. yeah it's really you. exciting I love a pop-up shop as well if I'm if I happen to be back home when it's open I have to go and have a look because I I do like a pop-up definitely um so the final thing I wanted to ask about if that's okay is I know and I'll be honest if I can't remember whether you mentioned this to me or where I picked this up but I know you're part of in that west accelerator program at the moment and I know you haven't been doing it for that long um so I definitely don't expect you to like share loads of us but it'd be really good if you can just talk about um well first of all what it is for anyone who's might be curious and then just give us a little bit on how it's going so far i think that'd be really interesting
1: yeah definitely so the natwest accelerator program is um, a free accelerator which is incredible a lot of accelerators are you know expensive um and you don't have to have a natwest account either which is you know i think it's amazing that they, they do that offer that support um with no real commitments um from you um but yeah it's a it's nationwide um you you can sign up online they do have a um quite strict criteria of what they want from you you have to commit quite a lot in terms of time um and then they run networking sessions with other small businesses in your area um there's a real mix of where people are as well there's like real startups who've got an idea and that's it they're they're getting ready to bring their idea to market and then you've got people who are turning over you know millions of pounds but are ready to take it even bigger than that so the networking sessions are great in terms of you there's a real learning from both ends because I think before you start when you're so full of ideas you're not jaded by what is and isn't actually possible so you're getting those real inspiring ideas from from those guys who are who are really fresh in it and then you've got the guys who've been doing it for a long time who are like not like oh you can't do that but just have more realistic ideas as well um so you've got the networking events they also run um specific sort of Tutoring events as well, so um, on like marketing strategy, a lot about mindset. One of their big things is, you know, you've got to have the right mindset to be a small business owner. It's really hard. You, you've you've got to be able to push through those days where it's tough, where you feel like you're not getting anywhere. You know, months and weeks of that sometimes, and you have to be able to keep going. But also, you have to know when you've hit an actual wall. So how are you gonna are you gonna go over that wall, round that wall, under that wall, what's what's next, you know, learning when something, when to stop is is a good learning as well. Um and then you have monthly one-to-ones as well with your mentor, um which are absolutely fantastic. They're they're really uplifting and positive. Um, but they definitely push you i mean you know we were we're doing it for the IndyCase, so it's the three of us doing it um but i've been able to take a lot out for flat 102 but we were talking to them about we potentially in the future like to have a permanent space that possibly has um, a workspace space so people can come and do workshops or they can hire it to come and work there themselves and that kind of thing and um, our mentor was saying, you know, what's your time frame for this? And we we're like, oh, I don't know, five years. She was like, eighteen months. You're like, oh, okay. Um, but I think with the knowledge they've got and the the um, contacts they have and things, they they give you realistic pushes. It's not like, oh, you can do that in three days, off you go. It's you know, okay, right. Well, if you do, you know, do you want to do it in eighteen months? We'll help you, and these are the you know, you need to come back to us and tell us what you need, and we'll help you find those people, those um support networks. Um, so yeah, we've we started ours in January, so we're a couple of months in, um, but so far it's been amazing. I'd really recommend it. Um, it's all online at the moment, um, due to all the COVID stuff, but it's they're just opening their hubs back up again, so there'll be some some real life networking as well which I don't know if that's more terrifying or not I find that scary I find yeah I'm quite happy around my computer screen
0: yeah yeah I'm definitely more much more comfortable here but I think as you say it's good to be pushed in a like a gentle way yeah um definitely like you need to be pushed out of your comfort zone and I think we all do don't we absolutely a little bit um and so what sort of time commitment you mentioned at the start that they ask you to commit a certain amount of time so what is the time commitment that you have
1: to it's not like it's not like they've said you have to do seven hours a week or anything like that it's that they um that you don't you won't get anything out of it if you don't put the time in um and whilst i don't think they throw you out of it if you weren't holding up your end of the bargain you know it's not really fair on them either if you go to each of your one-to-ones and you haven't actually done the follow-up the work that you should have done your homework almost um I think the networking bits aren't necessarily you know, compulsory but again you're not getting as much out of it um so there's normally a couple of hours a week in terms of like um of events going on and then you you have your monthly one-to-one but yeah it's more the work you need to put in in terms of in between your one-to-ones
0: yeah I think that makes sense especially because it's been offered for free I guess if you're not making progress and you're not doing the work that you need to be doing um it's quite I guess it's quite rude isn't it to put it bluntly yeah. because you're getting all of this support for free so yeah. I can see that and yeah I, I can see that I think that if it sounds like they're given an awful lot
1: yeah um, loads
0: so you need to be sort of doing the same and um, final question I had and sorry to ask so many questions but I genuinely think what? this will be really interesting as you mentioned there was criteria you had to meet is it an application is it um so as well as meeting the criteria is it like if you want to do it and you meet the criteria you're in or is there an application process to go through uh
1: so there was an application process I don't know what their criteria was. So you basically had to fill an online application in. Um, and then you had an interview, um, which we um we put our application in like so last minute. I don't think we'd realised there was an actual deadline. We just did it thinking, well the next time round there's their opening, we'll be in there. Um, we hadn't realized that they were actually open and I think we'd put ours in 24 hours or something before the deadline oh, closed. Wow um so then it was a bit of a panic of like oh we need to get you interviewed before the next deadline finishes and it was all so yeah it should have been a 60 second pitch um as part of your interview and then um and then an inter- a chat an informal chat bit um but we with the shop and it was coming up to christmas and stuff it just yeah it was a, it was a bit messy um And we ended up having to do it off the cuff, our sixty-second pitch off the cuff, which was like, ah! Um, but I think as we were in the thick of it at that moment, we had the shop open, we'd been talking lots about what we wanted to do. Um, It actually flowed really well. Um, Yeah, they told us on the phone that we were in, which was great. Um, Yeah, and then it all started really quickly in January. So yeah, I'm not sure what the actual criteria are, but they did. Yeah, they asked lots of questions about where we want to be what you know what our plans were and things so I don't think it's like you need to be turning over x amount of money or anything like that I think it's more about what what sort of what sort of personal I think personality maybe in terms of are you willing to put the work in are you willing to knuckle down do you want to grow do you want to um, expand and things
0: amazing thank you um and I think that makes sense and I may possibly also I guess you have to have a side, some sort of vision of where you want your business to yeah. go as well because it sounds like it's about well it's in the name isn't it it's about accelerating and yeah and moving forward so thank you for telling us all of that because I think it's really interesting and I'm going to try and find a link to put in the show notes I'm pretty sure applications won't be open now but I'll try and find some sort of web page I can share so that if people are listening and are interested then they've got somewhere to go and have a look at least.
1: Yeah.
0: Amazing. Thank you. So I have one final question if that's okay before we sure. finish, which is what would your number one piece of advice be to other product creators?
1: Ooh, um, I think it would be to just 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 start. Just try it. Put it out there. Um I mean I probably should take that advice myself because I do have about five new products sat here that I haven't put out in the world yet. Um, But I think that is the biggest thing is, you know, put it out there. It, it might not sell, but at least you'll know then, and you can develop it and, you know, change it and hone it until it's something that does sell, or it might sell amazingly and, you know, you'll surprise yourself and give yourself that massive boost of confidence to go again um, so, yeah, I think it's, you know, just get started. Just get get it out there somehow, some way, whether it's your own website or Etsy or pop-up shops or just put it out there and see. Try it.
0: That's really good advice. Thank you, Sarah. It's all right. And thank you for everything that you've shared. So I'm going to link to Flat 102 and the Indies Collective and everything we talked about in the show notes. People can go and find a bit more from
1: you. And yeah, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. It's been fun chatting
0: thank you so much for listening all the way to the end of this episode if you enjoyed it please do leave me a review that really helps other people to find this podcast make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and do tell your friends about it too if you think that they also might enjoy it you can find me at com. there you'll find link to all of my social channels you'll find lots more information all of the past podcast episodes and lots of free resources too so again that's VickyWeinberg.com. take care have a good week and see you